This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one. In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Push to the limits. Our big story tonight. The nation's hospitals straining to care for a record number of patients as the COVID crisis spins out of control. Governors take tough new measures, including new mask mandates and curfews. It's not fake news. We are in a war right now, and the virus is winning. Long lines for testing in every part of the country. As healthcare workers feel the strain, nurses stage a walkout in Pennsylvania. Plus, New Orleans cancels the famous Mardi Gras parades. President-elect Joe Biden's national security briefing by outside experts as President Trump keeps stonewalling the transition. Plus, a fist bump on the Senate floor for Vice President-elect Kamala Harris from Trump ally Senator Lindsey Graham. Playing politics with the military? Inside the president's decision to draw down troops in the Middle East. And what about Iran? Did President Trump ask for options to attack its nuclear facilities? Protecting our service members. Part one tonight of our year and a half long investigation into the failure to fight sexual assault in the armed services. Tonight we hear from the parents of a victim. I still cry every day. Hurricane Iota tears through Central America. The strongest storm to hit this late in the year. Dolly to the rescue tonight while the world is singing the country music legends praises. And together again, married 71 years, but separated by the pandemic, how they ended up back in each other's arms. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We are going to begin with breaking news tonight. The White House Coronavirus Task Force says the spread of the virus is aggressive unrelenting and expanding nationwide. In a series of private reports obtained by CBS News, the president's advisors warn not enough is being done to stop it. 
As we come on the air tonight, one out of every 10 Americans now being tested for COVID-19 has it. And in many cities, just getting a test takes hours. Hospitals say they are now on the brink, treating 73,000 coronavirus patients tonight. That is another sobering new record. And with the situation now at a breaking point, more states and cities are cracking down, issuing new restrictions as new infections skyrocket. Ohio's governor has just issued a three-week statewide curfew. Iowa and North Dakota are mandating masks. And in New Orleans, the famed Mardi Gras parades are already being canceled tonight, three months before they're set to start. Still, the nation's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, now says that the U.S. needs a nationwide strategy to beat the virus and can no longer rely on a state-by-state approach. There's a lot of new reporting to get to tonight. We've got our team of correspondents standing by to cover it all. CBS's Carter Evans is going to lead up our coverage in hard-hit Salt Lake City. Good evening, Carter. Good evening, Nora. Those windows right behind me are part of the intensive care unit. And right now here, they are at 140% capacity. That means they're using regular hospital beds as makeshift ICU beds as states around the country clamp down to slow the spread. We are in a war right now. And the virus is winning. One by one, leaders in cities and states are sounding the alarm. In Ohio, we are issuing uh, a curfew. Thursday uh, at 10 p.m. The Northeast. A second wave that's trying to assault New York City. The Midwest. It is spreading right now every chance it gets in Chicago. Anything to get the public to take warnings from health experts seriously. It is the real, real thing, and it is eating us alive. Iowa's governor, who once said mask mandates are just feel-good measures, is now making masks mandatory starting today. If Iowans don't buy into this, we lose. Businesses will close once again. As lines to get tested stretch for hours at L.A.'s Dodger Stadium and outside a Massachusetts hospital, home test kits are being delivered in hard-hit El Paso by drone. And more health experts tonight are warning it may be time to cancel traditional Thanksgiving plans. If you have in your family vulnerable individuals, ask yourself, For this particular holiday season, do you really want to take the risk? New Orleans is not taking chances, canceling Mardi Gras parades for the first time in 42 years. Call bells are not being answered. There's a human being behind that call bell with a need, okay? And I have heard call bells ring for a half hour. This chart shows how fast hospitalizations are rising in Utah, a nightmare, not just for those infected with coronavirus. I want her back. And miss her terribly. When Stephanie Deer's sister had a heart attack last month, she needed critical care at a trauma center. The first thing the doctor told me is, we're trying to find a way to transport your sister, and we can't find a room because of COVID. Lori Pratt-Terry was just 47 years old when she passed away. She shared a lifetime of memories with her sister and leaves behind her husband and nine-year-old son Griffin, seen here at her funeral. If they'd been able to get her to that hospital faster, would she be here today? Yes, she would be here. I know that what happened to her was survivable. There are people who still believe this is a hoax. Whether they believe it or not is irrelevant. And the chances of them not being able to be treated are, are high right now. Very high. And I don't want that for anybody, regardless of what they believe. COVID is the reason that my sister died and she didn't have the virus. 
The need for medical professionals is also a big concern. New data from Health and Human Services suggests that more than a fifth of hospitals in the nation that can take COVID patients are expecting staff shortages this week. Nora? Scary to hear all those details. Carter Evans, thank you. Tonight, President-elect Biden is forging ahead with his transition, naming several top campaign aides to key White House positions. He's also taking steps to work around President Trump's refusal to cooperate in the normal transfer of power. We have more now from CBS's Nicole Killian. With President Trump blocking President-elect Biden from intelligence briefings, he got his own today from former officials who served in Republican and Democratic administrations. I've been unable to get the briefings that ordinarily would have come by now. Uh, and, uh, um, and so uh, I, I just want to get your input. Mr. Biden added that a lot of damage had been done in the last four years. Today, the administration announcing a drawdown of troops in Afghanistan and Iraq, a decision some senior military officials privately warned against. And just last Thursday, President Trump had to be talked out of a potential attack on Iran to stop its nuclear program. America's back, and it's no longer... America alone. The lack of coordination is also hampering the pandemic response. As cases spike, the American Medical Association and other major health organizations urge the administration to share all critical information related to COVID-19. Leaders of Biden's COVID task force said they won't be able to access key data about vaccines, therapeutics, or supplies, nor can it contact the current White House Coronavirus Task Force, which met today. Dr. Anthony Fauci offering this advice to the Biden team. We need a uniform approach to this outbreak. We need some fundamental public health measures that everyone should be adhering to. Not a disjointed one state says one thing, the other state says another thing. Even as some Republicans have yet to acknowledge or speak with the president-elect... There's a way to deal with disputes. It's called the courts. A brief thaw on the Senate floor as Vice President-elect Kamala Harris got fist bumps from GOP colleagues returning to Capitol Hill for the first time since the election. Like today, Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley announced he has tested positive for coronavirus. The Senate's oldest Republican at 87 says he's feeling fine but will follow his doctor's orders and remain in quarantine. He missed his first vote today in 27 years. Nora? Nicole Killian, thank you. Today, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled that Republican observers in Philadelphia were given proper access under state law to view vote counting. It's the latest in a string of legal defeats for President Trump and his last-ditch effort to challenge results in states that he's lost. Here's CBS's Major Garrett. In the three times he's spoken publicly since Election Day... There's been a lot of shenanigans. It's a corrupt system. President Trump is offered a string of falsehoods. This is a major fraud in our nation. If you count the legal votes, I easily win. Frankly, we did win this election. His more than 400 tweets over the last two weeks are mostly false claims of fraud or that he won an election he clearly lost. More than a dozen lawsuits brought by President Trump's campaign or sympathetic Republicans alleging election irregularities or worse have been unsuccessful. Every single legal vote that has been cast and reported has been upheld by the courts in every single piece of litigation nationwide so far. 
The Pennsylvania Supreme Court handed the Trump campaign another loss today. And when the president's legal team withdrew from another pending case in the state, Rudy Giuliani stepped in, reportedly asking for $20,000 a day, though Giuliani denies this. One Trump attorney, Mark Scaringi, said this about the president's prospects days before being hired by the campaign. At the end of the day, in my view, the litigation will not work. It will not reverse this election. In Georgia, a hand recount is nearly finished with no significant irregularities found. This after Senate Republican Lindsey Graham asked the state's top election official about the legitimacy of some ballots. And Major Garrett joins us now. So more than a dozen of these lawsuits unsuccessful. So are there any bright spots out there for the Trump team? Nora, there are no dim spots. In court, you have to argue a point of law and then produce evidence that it was violated. And in elections, that means something was so bad that votes have to be invalidated. In no litigation filed so far has that basic standard been met. Now, politically, this may all sort itself out for the president. We can't rule that out. But legally speaking, the president who talks often about winning, 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 is doing nothing but losing, losing, losing. Major Garrett, thank you. Tonight, we're learning more about the decision-making behind the drawdown of American troops from Afghanistan and Iraq. CBS's David Martin reports top military officials were not in favor of doing it. Chris Miller was a soldier in Afghanistan two decades ago, and today, as acting Secretary of Defense, that seemed to be on his mind when he announced a drawdown from 4,500 to 2,500 troops. By January 15th, 2001, excuse me, I clearly am thinking of where this started in 2001. Senior military commanders were opposed to any decrease, but faced with President Trump's determination to bring troops home, they responded, in the words of one military officer, if you want to draw down, we recommend you go to 2,500. President Trump also decided to go from 3,000 down to 2,500 troops in Iraq, where U.S. personnel remain under the threat of attack by Iranian-backed militias. Acting Secretary Miller had barely finished announcing the drawdown when these launch pads lit up with rockets fired near the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. David Martin, CBS News, the Pentagon. We turn now to our exclusive CBS News investigation into sexual assault in the military. November is Veterans Month, when we honor the men and women who protect this country. But who is protecting them? Tonight, as part of our year-and-a-half-long investigation, we speak to the parents of a soldier who say military leaders failed their daughter, that those failures ultimately led to her death. I still cry every day. My mind's always on the call. I turn one corner, there she is. I turn another corner, there she is. Steve and Stacy Burnham say their daughter, Army Private Second Class Nicole Burnham, was sexually assaulted in June of 2017, within two months of arriving at Camp Casey in South Korea. There was an incident involving multiple male soldiers. We know that she was held down against her will. We know that there were pictures taken. Two months later, she was sexually assaulted a second time. Nicole requested an expedited transfer back to the United States, far away from her assailant. It took them 82 days to get her out of South Korea. I don't know what part of expedited is 82 days. And I would say, who is there to help you? There has to be somebody you can go to. No, there's nobody here, Mom. Please stop asking. While Nicole was waiting in South Korea for nearly three months to transfer, she faced harassment for reporting her assaults. 
Official witness statements say Nicole was called a whore, slut, and deserving of rape, and that the verbal harassment led to feelings of ostracism and self-isolation. The Army can deploy thousands and thousands of troops during a war situation within 24 hours, and they can't expedite our daughter off a base after two sexual assaults. Unable to leave South Korea, Nicole became suicidal. Her direct supervisor knew, but failed to report her suicidal ideation up the chain of command, even though it was a mandatory reporting requirement. How do you think she felt about how the military responded to her when she reported these assaults? I'm sure she was scared to death. I'm assuming, like, this is not what I expected. I signed on the dotted line to serve and protect my country. And who is here to help me and protect me? A few weeks before Christmas, Steve and Stacy welcomed their daughter home. Even at home when she came home, in her bedroom, she locked the door and pushed a dresser up against it. And it was like, Nicole, you're home. She's like, you don't understand. Two weeks later, Nicole had to report to her new assignment in Colorado. When Nicole got to Fort Carson, did her command know that she had been a victim of sexual assault? No, that was that was not communicated to them. And it was supposed to have been communicated yes. to them. Um, again, just another complete failure of the Army. A month after Nicole arrived at her new base, she got a call from Camp Casey. She'd gotten that call like, you may have to go back to Korea and testify. I don't think she she could do it. I don't think she wanted to do it. The next morning, Nicole was found dead in her barracks room. She died by suicide. We have a report from the military, and the very last paragraph says that they didn't think she was mentally sound at the time of her death due to multiple sexual assaults and systemic harassment over a substantial period of time. According to the military? According to the military. They knew this, and they did nothing until they sent us home a flag-draped coffin. We are all thinking about the Burnhams and thank them for sharing Nicole's story. The Army declined our request for an interview, but they said in a statement that their thoughts and prayers go out to the Burnham family. They say the Army's Criminal Investigation Command conducted a full investigation into Nicole Burnham's case and took appropriate action against the reported perpetrator. Our four-part investigative series on sexual assault in the military continues tomorrow. I'll be on CBS this morning at 7 a.m. And then tomorrow night on the evening news, you'll hear from survivors in their own words. Hurricane Iota made landfall in Nicaragua overnight, just 15 miles from where Hurricane Ada roared ashore two weeks ago. Iota, the most powerful storm of the year, unleashed massive waves, tore roofs off of homes, knocked out power, and flooded streets. All right, Amazon is officially in the pharmacy business. The online retail giant says it's now developing prescription, delivering, I should say, prescription medications, including those that need to stay cold like insulin. It won't ship drugs that have a high risk of being abused like some opioids. Country music legend Dolly Parton is getting praise from doctors and fans for her $1 million donation towards COVID vaccine research at Vanderbilt University. Well, Vanderbilt was involved in trials for the Moderna vaccine, which the company says is more than 
95% effective. Parton tweeted about her donation today, saying, I just wanted it to do good, and evidently it is. Let's just hope we can find a cure real soon. Love, Dolly. Now to a love story that began three quarters of a century ago and was renewed this month when Kenneth and Betty Meredith were reunited amid tears of joy. They'd been separated for five weeks in the pandemic with 96-year-old Kenneth alone in a nursing home in Birmingham, England. Scripture says love is patient, but 91-year-old Betty's patience ran out and she asked to be moved into Kenneth's home. 71 years after their wedding, all is right in the world. Are you happy? Oh, Kenneth, Betty, and the glory of love. Tomorrow in our investigation into sexual assault in the military, we'll hear from a group of survivors. And a reminder, if you can't watch live, set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That's tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. And how long have you been the, the producer of this? We've been doing this for two years now. Okay. And and what is it like to attempt to uh, get feedback from me about the podcast? Be honest about how quickly I respond to emails. You actually respond to emails surprisingly fast. Really? I, I think you might be the only person I respond to. <laughs> I respond to quickly. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I expected I expected you to lay into me. Well, this was over the strike period. Oh, I had time. Yeah. See, that, that, does, that doesn't count. <laughs> Sure, I responded to everything because responding to you, putting reruns up on the podcast, was like a form of employment. Yeah. And I felt like I had something to get up for every yeah. day. So thank you for that. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.